the topic for today's sermon is freed to worship. Uh, freed to worship. As I prayed and asked God for what I should preach on, what passage uh, to pick for the first service, first Sunday service of 2023, He led me to this passage during our time of reading the Bible together, community Bible reading, and it spoke to my own heart first. And I'm really hoping that this morning, the Holy Spirit uses this passage to speak to us as well. And usually at the beginning of the year, when we look back, uh, we always come to a place of, you know, last year wasn't as great, and I want to do better this year. That's where resolutions come into play. And, and when, when we think of even worshiping God, when you look back the last year, don't think it went as well. I probably should have, you know, personally probably read the Bible more, prayed more, uh, served more, just, just in general enjoyed God a lot more. And this year, I want to change that. Don't we all come to that place at the beginning of a new year? And, and uh, there are a couple of things coming to that place does to us. We let everything that we do in the first few days be shaped by all that we didn't do in the last year. Like, I need to do this. I need to do this. It might work for one, two days, like Saurabh was sharing. I mean, it's a struggle for all of us, don't we? I mean, don't we all struggle with it? But this morning, I want us to draw us to Christ who frees us to worship. Um... The, the passage that we're going to be looking at, uh, it's, it's 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 8 to 14. And uh, it talks about Israel's first king and his experience with worship. Uh, it's, if this is your first time in a church kind of setting, it's from, the, uh, it's from the Old Testament part of the Bible, written centuries before Jesus walked on this earth. And um, let me set a little bit of, it's a very interesting context. Uh, if you'd like to know what happens, you can go back to that and read it. But the context is this. The nation that God chose to bring Christ onto this earth, Israel, they get their first king. Yeah? And, and Saul, their first king, builds their first formal army. He gathers this men and builds their army. And during that time, one of the biggest enemies was the Philistines, right? And uh, as soon as he gathers this army, they, they get this small victory over the Philistines. And the Philistines are now preparing for a retaliatory strike. And their, their army is exponentially bigger than what Saul, Israel, has just gathered. In the face of this, Saul wants to worship, and, and, and uh, he, he wants to offer a sacrifice which, which only the priests could do, and it, 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 it's a very interesting story, and this is where the passage takes off. So I'm, I'm just going to ask Gracia to uh, read the passage for us. Yeah. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to him and greeted him. Samuel said, What have you done? 
and Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Mishmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. That's God's word. Allow me to just pray before we start. Father, we want to thank you for uh, your word. We want to thank you for um, the, the life that it brings into our dead and, and uh, weary hearts. Uh, we want to thank you because uh, your word uh, leads us to worship you. It shows us who you are and reveals your heart for us. So this morning, Holy Spirit, would you do that for us? Would you reveal your heart, the Father's heart to us? And then uh, may, may that birth in us the freedom to worship this amazing God. Uh, speak to us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be looking at three things. Uh, the first thing is, what is shaping our worship? The second thing is, how it impacts our worship? And the third thing is, experiencing freedom in worship. What is shaping, how it impacts, and how can we experience freedom um, in our worship? Look at, look at what's happening. Look at what is shaping Saul's worship. He waited for seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, who was the priest, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. And Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. Like I just shared in the context, he just gathered this formal army, 3,000 people. And the Philistines had horsemen of 30,000. And footmen were as countless as sand on the sea. Now faced with this fear, the army that Saul gathered slowly start to scatter. They're like, I don't want any of this. And then when he sees people scattering and leaving him, he calls to perform the sacrifice. Sounds familiar? Fear is a really powerful motivation for our worship, isn't it? Don't we all come running to God when we are afraid? See what Paul is saying. I forced myself. I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. Don't our fears force us to come and worship? Impending job loss, so many layoffs, a health crisis or a family crisis, what do we end up doing? We force ourselves, our fear pushes us, go to God now, go to God. And we come. Probably our church attendance gets better. Probably our giving gets better. Probably are, we, we want to participate more in the small, all great things. 
But what is actually pushing us? This fear. Fear is one of the most powerful things that impacts our worship. But there's another thing that impacts our worship as well. And usually, it is underlying our fear. Let's see Saul's worship and what triggered it. He starts worshiping when the people start scattering from him, when his army is leaving him. You know, two chapters down the line, when Saul Saul messes up again and Samuel comes and calls him out, this is what he says. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. Saul's underlying fear, what was underlying his fear is his pride. He doesn't want to look like a failure in front of his people. He wanted to come out victorious. He wanted to look victorious. For him, losing the favor of his men was worse than losing the favor of God himself. Isn't that what underlies our fears? The fear of failure? Fear fear of appearing as a failure? I mean, as successful artists, entrepreneurs... Uh, in this amazing city, in this maximum city where there's always someone better than us, even though we have it all, even though it seems like we have it all, the fear that often draws us to worship is the fear of losing it, fear of failing. Friends, fear and pride are two very powerful motivators of worship. And these two impact our worship a lot. Think about it. No matter which faith you grew up in, before an important exam, there is no way you could miss going to a church or a temple or a mosque to pray. I grew up Christian, so if my exams were starting on Monday, there was no way I could skip church on Sunday and say I need to study. Because if I, if I feel I didn't honor God, and if I don't honor God on Sunday... The exam, even though I'm prepared, it messes with my heart and mind so much, I go and mess it up. And it's, it didn't end with our school and studies, didn't it? Before our first job interview, before that appraisal conversation with our boss, what do we do? We come running to God, and that shapes our worship. Friends, the fear of coming out as failures, especially as artists, professionals, entrepreneurs, is is a huge motivator in our worship. And I hope that we're able to see that this even even at this time when the year is when the year is ahead of us, I hope that we're able to see that. Now here's the thing. The moment that we recognize that fear and pride cripple our worship and force us to worship, worship doesn't come from a place of freedom. We come here thinking, if I don't come, I'm screwed. God is not going to show up for me. 
Now, how does it impact our worship? Look at what Saul is saying. He says, so I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. When Saul's worship was shaped by fear and pride, he, was, he forced himself to worship. And when he forced himself to worship, what did it make him do? It made him bypass the priest that was appointed to mediate between him and God. He got scared and rushed to worship. And, and even in that fear, he, he, pride kicked in. I don't... I can offer these sacrifices by myself. Friends, here's the thing. Why is this serious and what does this mean to us? Just like Saul who bypassed Samuel, his priest, in worship, when shaped by fear and pride, we tend to bypass our high priest, Jesus, in our worship. We tend to bypass. Now, now let me... Let me it might seem like an interesting theory, but let me break this down. This is our core problem in worship. What do I mean by bypassing Christ, our high priest, in our worship? Let's look at what, how Saul did it. Saul recognized his need for God in this crisis, and he thinks he can access him by, him, by his own sacrifice, that he can offer it and access God. Now, don't we feel and act this way? We live in a very DIY world. Do it yourself, right? We are self-made. And often this shapes our worship as well. When we come, in theory, we know that we need Christ. If you've grown up Christian, you know that we need Christ to access God. And we, we, we have no access to God apart from Christ. But we often want to offer sacrifices of our own good things, of our own spiritual doings, and approach Christ, and approach God. This is how we bypassed Christ, our high priest. We are unmindful of the ultimate sacrifice that he himself offered on our behalf. When we were dead in our sins, when we had no access to God, while we didn't even know the need for God, Christ, our high priest, stepped down and he himself offered his own perfect body and his own blood as our sacrifice in our place so that we have this access to God. And ever so often in our worship, we are so unmindful. Ever so often when we approach God, we are so unmindful. And when, and when we come to him and God in his grace gives us that blessing or that victory that we so desire we go back to our square one in our relationship with him. Our hearts grow cold toward him. Our affections become low toward him. Is, is this relatable? Do we experience this? This is what happened to Saul. We see it all through First Samuel. He, we see a string of shallow repentances. When he needs something, when he knows he's messed up, a string of shallow repentance gets the thing and he goes back to doing his own thing. Friends, I want to draw two things from this passage on what happens when we bypass Christ, our high priest, in our worship. First, worship, instead of being a constant lifestyle of surrendering and enjoying God, becomes on a contract basis. You know, I need favor for this upcoming project. 
So I'm going to come to God and worship Him, earn His favor, and when the project is over, I'll end up going back to doing my own thing. Until the next project. When the next project comes, eaten by guilt again, we come to God. You know, it's like a top-up pack that we recharge. It's like the supplement that we need. Isn't that, isn't that familiar? Friends, Christ, our high priest, earned a 24-7 access to God, not so that we can come and go as we like, like on demand, but he earned this 24-7 access to God so we can live with God 24-7. And when we worship like this in bits and pieces on a contract basis, we bypass Christ, our high priest, and come offering our own sacrifices. What's the second thing it does? Because Saul thought he could offer his own offering, and he offered it, when Samuel comes and asks, what have you done? Instead of leading him to repentance, look at what he's saying. He feels justified. He's already offered the offering. He feels justified. Look at what he's saying. He's giving a string of excuses. He's saying, he's blaming everyone. The enemy is fast advancing. My people are leaving me. Then he blames Samuel. You were supposed to come in seven days. You didn't show up. You know, all these, all these seem legit, right? All these seem legit. And he's giving a combination of all these things and giving the excuse when what Samuel asked him was supposed to lead him to repentance. Why? Because he's offered his own sacrifice and he feels justified enough. Friends, doesn't this seem familiar? The moment when someone holds a mirror up and helps us see our sin... We have legitimate reasons to be and feel that way, don't we? We blame everything. Our work is crazy. Our boss is so demanding. Our, our family is struggling. We're going through a crisis. You know, the church community, I'm not able to relate with anyone. It's, it's not understanding enough. My, my, my pastor doesn't care for me enough. You know, all these might be true. We are all human. We are all sinful. But using all of this as a justification for our lack of worship or our wrong access to God. Friends, when we bypass Christ, our high priest, repentance loses its place in our worship. Because we, we are making those sacrifices. We are offering those sacrifices. And we feel justified. But when we come to Christ, come to go to God with Christ as our high priest... Repentance, genuine repentance flows because we know that Christ has already paid. So when someone shows up our sin, we are joyfully coming. Yes, I know this is who I am, but I have an access to God in Christ because his blood was shed for this very thing that I'm now struggling with. When we bypass Christ, the high priest, repentance loses its place in our worship. Friends, I, I really hope that we're able to see how we are bypassing Christ, our high priest, in our worship. 
you know, fear and pride are real powerful motivators. And, and these rob us of this amazing, life-giving, free worship experience that Jesus invites us to. That is what he has for us. In pride, we forget that only Jesus can pay for our sins. And in fear, we forget that only Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. And both of them rob us of our freedom to freely access God in Christ Jesus. So how do we experience this freedom today? This is my hope and prayer first for myself and then for all of us. That in 2023, our worship is not shaped by fear or by pride, but we experience freedom in Christ. How does he do this? How do we experience? Like Saul, all of us have failed in our worship. And we recognize that. All of us continue to let our fear and our pride shape our worship. And we end up bypassing Christ, our high priest. But look at what God does in this passage. This is what Samuel says. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. You know, the immediate fulfillment of this verse of of who God sought out a man after his own heart, we know if you've grown up Christian, we know that it comes in David. But the ultimate fulfillment of this verse comes only in Jesus because David lived a very human span. His, His days on the throne were limited, humanly speaking. But centuries later, Christ came in the line of David and Jesus came as our priest king. He came to earth and showed us what this undeniable, unretractable, free access to the Father looks like. Being an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God himself, while his days on earth, he never spent a day without depending on his Father. He prayed in public, he he prayed in private, he prayed in his highs, he prayed in his lows. He did it for all to see him. Jesus didn't need to do this, he was God himself, but he spent every day depending and communing with his father. Unlike Saul and the rest of us, he didn't let pride affect his worship. And his devotion to the Father. You know, when Christ took all of your sin and mine upon himself, he was going to face one of the most scary, not one of the most, the most scary thing in the entire universe. The just and holy wrath of his Father himself. You know, Saul couldn't take it when Samuel didn't show up within the stipulated time. When Jesus went to the cross, he knew his Father is going to turn his face away. He knew he was going to hang on that cross alone with your sin and mine upon himself. And yet he went to the cross and surrendered 
He took on the greatest thing and defeated fear. Our great high priest offering his own self as a sacrifice so that we can have this access to God, so that we can have this freedom as children to run to him at any time. Enjoy him at any time. Friends, this 24-7 access is not so that we can access this on demand. It's for us to enjoy God 24-7. You know, this follower of Jesus, he helps us see Jesus as our high priest and he calls us to worship. Look at what he's saying. Since we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Friend, the invitation is to draw near with confidence. What is this confidence? That a high priest already sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows our pride. He knows our fears. He was punished for it all in our place. And he is our mediator with God, with the Father. So the invitation is to not ignore our pride and fear and, and put them and put on our best self when we come here, but to bring them and repent of them, give it to Christ and say, you know my weakness. You died for it. Would you now help me enjoy the Father? Would you change me? Would you transform my heart to love you more? To enjoy the embrace of my father more? Friends, pride and fear force us to worship. But Christ, our high priest, frees us to worship. And this is the freedom I'd like for all of us to experience in this year. If you're not a follower of Jesus, what does this mean for us? You know, our souls were created to worship. And, and, and that, was, that was our initial design. Our souls could not exist without worshipping. Our souls were created to worship as fish were created to swim in the ocean. Now, here's how Christ frees us to worship taking the illustration from the fish, our sin threw us out of the ocean of God's presence. But Christ put us back in the ocean of God's presence. Now, here's what it means for us. Worship is no longer doing a bunch of things to get back into that ocean to enjoy God. Worship is no longer trying to do stuff to earn his favor. Worship is about us responding to God's favor already shown to us in Christ. It's not about making our own little sacrifices which make us feel good momentarily. It's us responding to the ultimate sacrifice already offered in Christ Jesus. This is the freedom in worship. You know, this is in stark contrast to every faith system that exists today in the earth. 
Worship is no longer about us trying to make these sacrifices to appease God. It is us responding to God already showing his pleasure to us in Christ. I really hope that you experience this freedom to worship Christ in your own heart, worship God in your own heart through Christ. Followers of Jesus, I know that leaving here today, our hearts are going to go back. Our hearts are flawed. But in when we find ourselves flawed, when guilt overtakes us, can we respond with running to Christ, our high priest, and not letting that guilt shape our worship and trying to do things to please God? Shall we run to Christ, our high priest, and worship freely from a place devoid of guilt and shame? Now, I'd like to uh, close with us making this prayer together. I, I borrowed it from um, a bunch of prayers that we did together called the Valley of Vision. Um, shall we, can we just pray this uh, together? It'll come up for us on the screen. Just take a moment to pause, rest, and I'll start us off and then we can read it together. Shall we pray? Glorious God, it is the burning desire of my life to worship you, the crown and glory of my soul to adore you, heavenly pleasure to approach you. Give me power by your spirit to help me worship now, that I may forget the world, be brought into fullness of life, be refreshed, comforted, blessed. Give me Jesus, Son of Man, Son of God, that I might not be terrified, but be drawn near with childlike love, with holy boldness. He is my mediator, brother, interpreter, judge, lamb. Him I glorify. In him I am set on high. Crowns to give I have none, but what you have given I return. Content to feel that everything is mine when it is yours, and more fully mine when I have surrendered it to you. Let me live wholly to my Savior, free from distractions, from distress or worry, from barriers to pursuit of the narrow way. I am pardoned through the blood of Jesus. Give me a new sense of it. Continue to pardon me by it. May I come every day to the fountain and every day be washed anew that I may worship you always in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.